Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is the Muslim Experience Podcast, and I'm your host, Farooq. Today, alhamdulillah, by the permission of Allah, we are able to bring to you Season 2, Episode 9, and we have a wonderful discussion with Brother Ahmed. He's a fantastic individual, and he shares his life story with us from being a born Muslim to agnostic to atheist and then back to reverting to Islam. Have a listen to this brilliant podcast and make sure you add it to your playlist. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, my Yeah, wa alaikum salam. I did yeah. some research on you. You know, I... I oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so first thing I wanted to ask you, how how is your knee surgery now? How was that? Uh, it was good, alhamdulillah. It's the second one in the first in, in one year. Uh, oh, okay. I kind of messed it up the first time I did it. Right. Uh, too hasty. Yeah. Uh, I went to play right. soccer way too soon. Like, oh. way too soon. <laughs> and you, you know, it's the excitement, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just soccer overall. Like, uh, you know, I had to do part of my, uh, you know, my reversion actually. Right. But it does take uh, a, a big. Uh, I don't want to say it, it does. Uh, it has a it has a spot in my heart, and that's something that I've always battled with. Yeah. Uh, not not so much anymore, honestly. But like, hence it, it was also my. Uh, I I don't like gyms weights and stuff. So like working out is sports for me, you know. So like as soon as my leg was able to like just get a, a move, I jumped right in, and I was just like, yeah, okay, no. This, it's not ready yet. <laughs> yeah. So you moved to the U.S. at the age of 10. Was that right? Yes. Okay. My father was in the U.S. and I didn't really have a close uh, kind of figure that kind of grabbed my hand and took me to the masjid. Oh, okay. uh, I used to do it on my own as a kid, like especially not every prayer, but like Juma Salah, the masjid in Egypt wasn't too far away from us. It was like, yeah. I want to say four or five blocks away. And I used to go to Juma. I don't remember any of these khutbas anymore, but I was definitely like, I was always a good student, especially when I was a young kid. Uh, I was like third on the country in Egypt. Um, so I was always into reading and stuff like that. And I remember like a vivid memories, like me just opening the tafsir of the Quran because my mom would just, just like, you know, in an Arab household, we have these books that we never open. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. So I was just like, I'll pick it up. And I remember reading about the hellfire and just like breaking down as a child. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's you know, it's just like, it's, child, yeah, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. For I have that imagine. I, I I remember that as well from when I used to go to the madrasa. You know, yeah. um, I I remember once I, I I kind of literally ran home to my mom and I just cuddled her and said, "Mom, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. be bit by scorpions." And I was so yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. like uh, nightmares, right? Yeah. <laughs> nightmares. Well, the whole idea of like re like eternity, but for like for punishment, right? Like your body's yeah. recreated in hell to oh. like withstand the torment, is right? For a child, it's just like, whoa, man! I don't, I don't want to go through that. I can barely handle like my mom slapping me, right? <laughs> you know, that's true, man. That's true. Yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was tough. So like, my mom raised me in, uh, in the beginning alone until we migrated here to uh, kind of meet my dad, like sure. catch, you know. And I remember like having this. Uh, there used to be a lot of TV show, TV movies in Egypt. 
where like the father's like died in like a war or something oh, yeah, and the, yeah. mom would, the mom would have like someone call and pretend to be the father so i always thought yeah. i had a pretend dad that's calling me from like outside the u.s <laughs> wow until he actually like i met him in person i was like oh look he's real you know um but subhanallah like you know uh i i guess you know coming to the u.s was like a big uh uh shock yeah culture shock i think it was in high school you went to agnostic to from co- and then to college it was to like, atheist, it was atheist. Yeah. so what what was going on in your life right there like i would i would say it, it's a combination of a few things uh one was definitely the culture shock and identity of like right. you know trying to be like who am i american muslim arab egyptian right. like you right Uh, the second the second thing was um, definitely the way Muslims were yeah um, as people wasn't a good right thing right uh, you know I still hold that image unfortunately a lot of people yeah. just like a lot of Christians carry that label and yeah. they, they don't realize that they're a representation of God right uh, like how we view Islam So unfortunately, because of the circle of friends my parents had and the local masjid around me uh, pushed a lot of kids away from the religion. They didn't make it seem like a loving place, always yelling and cursing. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of pushed me away from the religion. I was like, I don't know. And like I said, I grew up reading tafsir. So I had a close relationship with the masjid, right. uh, even when I came here. And it was kind of that, that environment kind of pushed me away. Uh, to believe in like I was like well I do believe in God but I don't think this whole religion thing is like yeah. for me uh, and then when I went on to college yeah you know you tend to you get busy with life and right. Uh, right. there's a dua that I made yeah. a, a prayer uh, for the non-English uh, Arabic speakers that basically like I was in junior high school and that dua is very important because like it comes back after I revert. Like, I don't remember that dua until I come back to Islam. It was like Allah showing me that he actually did answer that dua. I'm like, should I mention it now or should I mention it at the end because it plays along with the story? Yeah, it's uh, up to you. How you want to do it? No problem, man. Wherever you're comfortable. So, so, so basically, like, I, I remembered I remembered this one as I was 25, but yeah. I made this dua when I was like 14 years old. Okay. And I was walking uh, either home from school or to junior high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, I'm asking Allah, I'm like, let me taste the beauty of this world, but return me. Well, yeah. Well, so I, I didn't, I, I guess, I don't know if I understood the meaning of the dua because I'm like, return me, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of what did happen. Like, you know, you go to college, you yeah. all the, you know, I was basically an American. There was nothing. Right. Um, you know, that held me to Islam. And that's one of the things I, you know, uh, I take pride in is is I'm honest with myself, you know. Um, I was like, I remember having a conversation with myself and I'm like, yo, I don't pray. Yeah. I I don't follow the halal guidelines. Uh, You know, every rule I've broken, I was like, what makes me Muslim? Yeah. You know, and I was like, I'm not Muslim by the standards of Islam. I was like, why am I carrying this label that's kind of like, like I'm doing injustice to it. So I kind of, um, that was kind of why I denounced like all religions after that conver- internal conversation. I got you right. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, after that, obviously you have college, you finish, you start working and uh, things like that. The thing about me during that time, though, is, uh, you know, growing up in, uh, I guess, uh, a first generation uh, American, quote, quote unquote, I don't know, if, since I migrated here at 10, you're yeah. always working, right? You're supporting the family. You play a very big role. Right. A lot of responsibilities shoved on your back. Yeah. So I've, I've never had time off ever since I was 14 up until I got fired from my first job wow. um, after college when things kind of like switched yeah. um, in my life. And I had time off. And I remember like the first month uh, I was like, I wasn't in a rush to go back to work. I, I just uh, started playing video games and then I got bored. I was like, what the hell's the point of this? And I remember having a conversation uh, with myself before I lost my job because I used to go out and party every week with my coworkers. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what the hell's the point of all of this? Just like, you know, making money, drinking, spending that money and repeating the same cycle. I was like, is that the whole point of life? And literally a month or two after me having that conversation, I lose my job. And that's when, you know, after playing the video games that got boarding, I was like, I started writing. And it's funny because I still have that paper just from my own memory. And I was like, what, what's the point of religion in school was kind of like the title all right. And and I was just like, oh, religion is meant to give hope to the hopeless. Like, you know, you had these people, prophets, I quote unquote, at that point, at that time where like they meant to give hope to people who didn't have hope. They wanted good for the world. They weren't bad people yeah. and they were wise that I understood. And I was like, school is just a, a system that's meant to brainwash you to make you like a tool to fit into a society. And that's right. it. Like it's all right. programming, yeah. uh, you know. And it's fine. And that was my mentality. You know, that was, uh, you know, uh, just of religion in general. And then for some reason, uh, you know, writing that paper kind of made me think about these wise men. Uh, Prophet Muhammad, the Buddha, not just like from an Islamic perspective, but all these wise men. And I was just like, yo, they all meditated. Right. I was like, Prophet Muhammad went to a cave, Musa stood next to the fire, the Buddha under a tree. You know, I was like, all these people, they all like seeked seclusion. Right. So I started learning about meditation and it was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. (laughs) You know, uh, 24 years of like just impulsely reacting to whatever my nefs self tells me to do is just like you want an iphone you go grab it you want to eat something go get it like there's no, no. consciousness no right yeah. uh so trying to sit still and like you see yourself like trying to react and get <laughs> yeah. up and you're like no shut up sit down <laughs> you know oh, so yeah. like I, 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 this conversation of like and that's when i learned that you know, subhanAllah, like the first three months, I actually became angrier yeah. uh, as a person. And because I, I got frustrated, I was like, I don't know what I'm expecting. Yeah. Right. You don't know what you why am I trying to sit down? What's the point of this? You know, what am I going to gain out of this? Uh, I'm just getting frustrated. And yeah. but I was just like, I'm, I'm a very stubborn person. <laughs> <laughs> so like deep down in my mind, there's something was like, 
dude, whatever these people achieved, I could do it. If they could do it, I could do it too. So like, just be patient. And it wasn't until after that three months that something like switched inside of me. And I remember it like I I used to live with my uh, roommates at the time and they were Japanese. Um, And I remember my roommate sitting right next to me and subhanAllah, like I had what some people call out of body experience where like you leave your body and stuff like that. And it felt like you're going up in a roller coaster in a way, but you're just flying and all you see is like planets under you. And that scared me so much that I got dropped Wow. And you know you get that feeling in your stomach when you're doing a ro- when you're on a roller coaster yeah. that tickling. <laughs> yeah. So I had that I had that physically, but I wasn't moving like I was still in my seat. That's scary. And yeah, yeah, it, honestly, it was because I don't know it was I don't know if it was like something playing with my head or I don't, I don't know what happened. But ever since that moment, yeah, like something in me changed or swapped, so, and I remember like. Subhanallah, like everything just made sense. I was like the wisdom in the world. Everything has like a purpose. Uh, every like I just appreciated literally the the wisdom behind all of creation. Wow. And I remember like that's I guess one of I one of Allah's names that I now understand. Yeah. And I'm like, whoever you are, mm-hmm. I was like, you're wise, and I appreciate how wise you are. I remember saying that. So I was like, okay, so I understood that there's like, okay, whoever's wise can hear me, yeah. right? I was like, he's he's hearing these prayers. Yeah. And, you know, I begin to, instead of directing the conversation to myself, yeah. to kind of directing it to whoever's listening to me. So, uh, and I start, I was like, okay, well, if you're listening to me, and I, and I started like, you know, talking and asking for certain things and they kept happening. Yeah. One point, one after the other. And that's where, like in the reverb video, like uh, that you referenced earlier, I started making like uh, So Obviously, eventually, I, at the same time, I've been doing my research about, I knew that Islam was the, the truth. Yeah. Uh, the Quran was the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, like I told you, when, it, when everything got switched mm-hmm. inside of me, like that swap, and I picked up the Quran and I read it, I was like, whoever's guiding me, yeah. is the one that wrote that book because it was like subhanallah it's just like my fitrah was restored i, I always say like if you want to be guided strip everything that you think you know you you are right right everything you grow up your school's telling you who to be parents are telling you who to be society's yeah. telling you who to be all these ideas and pressure yeah. is overshadowing your natural state of your fitrah And I feel like meditation, when that swap was done, it's almost as though someone wiped my heart clean of all that garbage. And I was able to kind of see my fitrah. And it matched the Quran where I was just like, whoever's guiding me to this is the one who wrote this book. I was like, you know, the whole reason, uh, you know, I did read the Injil and I did read the Torah, uh, most of it, of the Torah. And I was just like, okay, I see why. It's just like it made sense. I was like, one God, he keeps sending messengers and people kept changing the stories after the prophets have left. Uh, But one thing that stuck with me is that God's religion doesn't have a label, Mm -hmm. right? And this is why I always, when I make da'wah to people, I'm like, dude, stop saying Islam when we were talking in English because it's an Arabic word that means submission, you know? And that's the message of like all the prophets. And I think like once people like understand that, 
it kind of like, oh, you know, so there is no label. It's all like unison. It's all one. And it, it makes sense to some people at least, um, you know, so to me that, that kind of hit home yeah. and, you know, with Allah answering the dua, it's kind of freaked me out a little bit because now I'm like, wait, this being can actually hear what I'm saying without me speaking out loud. Uh, you know, so I was just like, wait, so I was never alone. Right. Right. So like that caught up to me and I was just like, oh my God, so you heard, saw, you know, seen everything that I've done. And like, I remember for one week, just like literally everywhere I go, I'm like crying out of fear of like everything that I've done. Right. Because then the thought played in my head, well, like you're not a revert, you were born Muslim and you've done like X and X wrong. So how do you know you're forgiven and things like that. And like, what's interesting is during that time my du'as were almost getting answered like instantaneously like i'm asking allah for something some like someone would come up and i meet him and he the guy's answering my du'a like really like a couple of months of this happening back to back and a lot of it which led to uh you know which i knew islam and salah and the quran were right and at one point I'm asking Allah for like a sign to show me that I'm forgiven and I wasn't getting anything. Right. right? So I'm like, is that a sign that you're upset with me? And I'm having this conversation and I know he can hear me now. So why am I not getting a response? Right. You know? And you know, in the video I, I, I talk about like get the response that I got. Sometimes only you can know that is a sign for you. Right. right? Like nobody, nobody will understand what you're going through except you. Right. Um, You know, and it had to do a lot also with my, uh, you know, after this is fast forwarding like three, four years with my reversion uh, where like, you know, when you begin to understand Islam, you understand its natural state. You don't understand it. Like I always say there's the Egyptian version of Islam. There's the. Bengali version or there's the you know the Indian version there's the Moroccan version where everybody kind of there's the American version now right uh, that kind of almost takes you out of the folds of Islam yeah. but there's the, this whole mixture of culture and religion together yeah. uh, you know and, and you I, I, I differentiated between them. I understood that hey no actually this contradicts the teachings of Islam even though it's uh, people, my culture claims uh, that it's Islam, you know. So, like, having that clear understanding and trying to tell my parents, everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. You think you're you're it now. Like, you know, you don't know anything about the religion. And, you know, subhanAllah, like, a lot of reverts talk down about the experience of someone who is in a Muslim family. Yeah. Um, because they think like, oh, you don't, you don't, not, you know, you don't go through a hard time. Your parents are already Muslim, man. Right, right. You know, versus like you don't, you don't know how it is because my parents are non-Muslim and my friends are non-Muslims. So I was like, dude, I lost all my friends. I didn't have one Muslim friend or Arabic-speaking friend. Like when I grew up, like I was so immersed in the culture that none of my friends were Muslim. Yeah. And when I reverted to Islam, I literally had nobody. Like, it's a lot strips away my circle of friends, which obviously, alhamdulillah, was a, for a good thing, a good reason, because it was a very bad influence circle. Um, you know, uh, so it was, it was kind of good that it kind of stripped away. 
And Allah started replacing them. Like the Imam became one of my good friends. I've met three, four brothers. It was the time I reverted back was like the around, uh, around the time of Ramadan. Yeah. Uh, probably so whatever X amount of years it was now. And so a lot of people go to the masjid. Yeah. So my circle of friends became very big, very tight, very fast. And I was so grateful, honestly, for the new, because I felt like I had brothers. Right. I didn't feel like I had friends. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like I lost something that was temporary yeah. and I gained something that was permanent. Yeah. And to me, that, that's what made Islam special was like your, your new family. Right. You know, and I was like, this is this is the religion yeah. that I knew as a child meant, like from reading about it and understanding it. Definitely having a hub is very important. A hundred percent. But, you know, in my environment, I did have the hub. OK. Um, you know, and in my community, the hub exists. And within there's there's there, I live in Astoria, New York. Okay. the shortage of masajids is not a thing there's a masjid right. every four or five blocks here mashallah, right. Right, mashallah. And, and you know i i think and i'll say it like the prophet sallam, said it is that we will focus on building buildings yeah. and people will focus so much on their clothes but right. their hearts will turn ugly we won't pay attention to people's hearts right and i i, I think it has to do a lot with the education system of how we focus on educating muslims nowadays mm-hmm. where you know i call it the i call it the school of parrots yeah. you know where we're trying to raise kids that have knowledge but they don't have understanding they're mm-hmm. focused on recitations but not actually knowing what they're reciting so i think there's definitely a shortage in actions yeah. of muslims acting upon the book Right. Uh, teaching us the meanings. We focus so much on becoming a Christian-like school mm-hmm. versus like with grades and everything. Islam is not about grades, no, right? Of course not. You know, it's not about uh, here's a reward for memorizing or things like that, but like how much change can right. Islam bring to you as a person and make you a better person and right. to your community? Yeah. That's what Islam is. Right. And I feel like you know, and that's definitely something I teach Islamic studies and I folk, I try my best to get the kids to focus on that mm-hmm. and the obligation that Allah, like the first 13 years of surahs that were revealed right. are all about teaching you self-awareness yeah. to realize that your nafs is commanding you of evil, that you have to hold yourself responsible and make sure you, that your time is valuable so make sure that you don't waste it and do good deeds with it. Uh, Islam is a, a is a beautiful gem, yeah, you know is. that a lot of people are missing out on. Yeah. And you know, I think I'll end it with the saying of Omar Rajallahu, where he said, like, had the disbelievers known how Islam felt in our hearts, they would have killed us for that and not this world. You know. Yeah. So I I, I think that in itself is. I, I wish it was something physical that you could show to people, right? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's something that you do have to listen to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, or learn from other people or experience on your own because that's when you see it yourself, right? That's when you see that or feel it. Yeah. If you feel it, you see it. Uh, that's the way I, <laughs> I explain it, um, you know.
And Excellent. may Allah continue to bless us. Uh, Jazakallah khair for having me. I don't want to take too much of your, no, any more you. of your time. <laughs> thank you. You know, I, I can talk about Allah and Islam forever. So feel free to, uh, you know, always, uh, you have my contact information. I'll, I'll gladly do this again, inshallah. Thank you so and, much. And uh, thank you very much for having me on your show. May Allah continue to bless it, bless you and your family and your work, inshallah. I mean, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. This podcast station is nothing without individuals like Ahmed and all the other people that we have invited onto the show. The stories, the experiences and everything that individuals go through are an important part of their lives and that's why we share these stories with you as an inspiration and an encouragement to allow everyone to draw themselves closer to our Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why not share your story, your life experiences, by visiting themuslimexperience.com and there's a simple form for you to complete and one of our brothers or sisters will come back to you with an arrangement of getting you on the show. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.